That's right. Mr. Uh, entrepreneur. He's going to bring that entrepreneur spirit, basically how to overcome and things like that. His name is Mr. Homer Daniels. Hey, how you guys doing? Glad to be here. All right. Great opportunity to uh, let the people know and the world know that uh, your dreams are not dead and we can overcome all things. Uh, I'm uh, spiritual grounded, so if it sounds like I'm a little uh, spiritual, uh, it is because I am. Uh, like my brother said, I'm an entrepreneur. started at a, a young age, uh, believing that uh, I wasn't going to work for someone else all my life. As I uh, begin to grow and, and, and acknowledge things, you know, some of us uh, are hard-headed than others. I had a great dad that... Uh, he uh, taught me how to get up early in the morning before the crack of dawn. And I said, Dad, what are we doing? He said, well, son, we're not going to get no worms. I like steak and eggs. All right. <laughs> so, so it wasn't about the early bird getting the worm. It was the early bird getting steak and eggs and bacon and grits. grits. Uh, I just want to encourage you today, uh, as I was invited out here today, uh, to let you know that your dreams are not dead. No matter what you go through, no matter what it looks like, we are, have the possibility and the, and the ability to overcome all things. Uh, I've overcame drugs. I've overcame uh, being set back into, in, into a life of a prison. And all through all of that, I never gave up my hope and my dreams. I kept saying to myself, this too will pass. So I want you to be encouraged today. Uh, I ended up uh, learning how to play tennis in uh, Soledad, California. <laughs> An old guy, I refused to work. I refused to work. They put you in prison and they think that you're going to work. They thought that I was going to go out on their farm and milk their cows. And <laughs> they thought I was going to clean up their halls. And I said, no, I am falsely in prison and I refuse <laughs> to do your manual labor or anything. So uh, I picked up a tennis racket, and an old man began to teach me how to play tennis. And uh, two years after I got out of prison, I uh, went back to school. There was going to be a photographer. And, uh, you know, in school, you have to have a, and you have to have a PA. You have to have a PE. That's mandatory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wasn't in school to do no exercise. Again, I wanted to get my degree in photography and move on. But because I had to take this PE class, I said, well, I'll take up tennis. And uh, up and behold, there was a young woman named Shirley Hooks uh, that was a, a, a scholar. She wrote books on how to interact tennis, how you can play tennis, how you can play uh, racquetball and any other sports that you want to combine them. To me, that was you, how could you do that? Well, she taught me that. Uh, you cannot, you cannot not do it. So she could beat me at racquetball and give me 18 points and beat me to 21. All right. Yeah, but uh, on the tennis court, it was a different story. Mm. I ended up being uh, ranking 400 in Northern California. Mm. I played with some of the best players. I played with John McEnroe, I, uh, Fisher. I got a chance to meet Martin, Martina Talova, uh, Billie Jean King, uh, hung out with a little bit of Arthur Ashe at some times, mm. uh, got a chance to really get around into the world of tennis and uh, ended up uh, wanting to uh, buy a tennis club. Mm -hmm. And it, became a, it just became a, a strong desire to do that. And uh, four years later, as I was going into it, I bought a tennis club in Morgan Hill, California. Mm. Um, 
the club is still there. Right. <laughs> it had uh, it had three tennis courts, a gym facility, and a bar and a restaurant. Uh, mm. uh, it was it was it was challenging, but uh, I made it work. Um, and at that time, uh, President uh, Reagan was in office, and uh, I assumed some notes. And at that time, uh, as you know, that uh, when Reagan was in the uh, the interest rates were so high mm-hmm. that unless you had a lot of money, you couldn't you couldn't perform or you couldn't get a loan. So I ended up uh, uh, I, I eventually lost the place, uh, but it was my it was my goal and I accomplished it. Uh, after that, uh, I ended up uh, traveling around a little bit. I got I got married and uh, settled down. Um, Begin to think that that there was something else to do, something more that I could do. And I just began to uh, uh, think about, okay, how can I improve my life? Because that was one goal that I had. And I said, well, okay, I can do something. I can do something else with my life. And I began to get into uh, self-improvement, self-improvement. And when I said self-improvement, I meant I had to change my way of thinking. I had to stop thinking that uh, it was all about me. I had to stop thinking about, uh, okay, how can I make a fast buck? instead of trying to see how I could make a business thing work. And I began to uh, promote uh, uh, volunteering for different things. Uh, I began to uh, want to give back to the community instead of taking back to the, from the community. That's right. So uh, I uh, just began to uh, volunteer to do things in the community, like uh, uh, serving food, going down to shelters. My dad was into going to the uh, convalescent home. Mm. Now, that was that was amazing. Mm. That was amazing. I said, Pop, what, what is about this convalescent home? These people are too old to know anything. And he just would laugh at me and say, well, maybe one day you'll understand, son. And uh, my dad passed away uh, about five or six years after that. And mm. him and the lady, I call her Mother Jackson. Mother Jackson used to call me and she said, how you doing, son? I said, I'm doing fine, mother. She said, well, I, you know I'm praying for you. And I said, okay. I would never know how this woman ever got my phone number. Mm. Never knew that. And uh, I decided to say, okay, mom, I'm going to go and help you at this convalescent home. And I started. Didn't have her car. I had to ride a bicycle. Mm. But every second Saturday and every fourth Saturday, she was at the convalescent home. And I began to go. I got to... I got ordained as a as a deacon because my dad was a deacon. I'm saying, well, okay, dad, I'm going to follow in your footsteps. Mm-hmm. So, and I got ordained as a deacon, a little young man, um, Pastor, Pastor Gardner, he uh, got ordained too. Now, he was helping Mother Jackson at the convalescent home before I ever even started. So when I started going there, he just like, oh, I'm glad to see you here, man. <laughs> About the third time I was there, he said, get a word. I said, get a word. He said, yeah, get a word. You're going you're gonna to do this presentation. Mm-hmm. And I did. Would you believe after that, that was the last time he showed up? Mm. So it was dropped in my lap. <laughs> I, I was, you know, I'm not, I didn't call myself a uh, ordained anything, you know. I was just, okay, I'm just following Pop's footsteps. Mm-hmm. But something caught, something caught inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I began to bring an encouragement word. Because I didn't know, you know, I've never been a scholar of the word, but I knew something that God had placed in me was to tell these people that there's a thing that's coming and they need to get prepared for it. 
And that was 15 years later. Mm. I was still doing that. Mother still calls me. How you doing, son? <laughs> <laughs> We're missing you I, because I left California and I'm here now in Houston, Texas. Right. And uh, mother still calls me, son, how you doing? Um, we miss you when you're coming back to California. But I just stopped by to tell you guys to encourage you that your dreams are not dead. Mm. I'm now at a uh, new uh, faith church and uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited mm. about it. Uh, I got I got cleared to go into the prisons. I got cleared to go into the uh, juvenile halls. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is I'm, I'm ready to go in. Right. I'm ready to go in and tell these young people that their dreams are not dead and life has not stopped for them. And that's pretty much about what I'm about today is to encourage you to let you know that your dreams are not dead. And just because we come from the ghetto, we are able to go on forward and do bigger things. Mm. That's great. I, I, I mean, we we need that uh, encouragement right here after the aftermath of Harvey. And uh, again, after Harvey uh, hit Texas in the Texas, Louisiana area, Hurricane Irma hit Florida and that area. So now we had two major disasters and a lot of people are feeling discouraged right now because of uh, loss of life, loss of property. You know, the disruption of life, our, our, our routines, and also the disruption of business. You know, a lot of business was uh, interrupted. So now we need that, that encouragement. We need that word yeah. right now. Um, right now, I do want to uh, thank those who are uh, involved in that um, work of recovery. Uh, we had established um, in Houston under... Uh, Mas 45, brother, uh, minister, uh, student minister, Abdul Halim Muhammad, the NOIHouston.org was the Hurricane Harvey Flood Relief Fund. Also in Florida, there's a NOIMiami.org for those affected in Florida and from Hurricane Irma. Uh, we are involved in that uh, hurricane recovery relief, right. giving out um, um, food, water, supplies, cleaning supplies for those affected. Mm-hmm. And uh, keep giving, you know, uh, some giving to the Red Cross. FEMA, FEMA's out doing what it could do. Red Cross is doing what it could do. Trade the Truth. Trade the Truth Trade has the been truth. putting in a lot of work. Houston artist Trade the Truth. He had an event with Beyonce this past week and they were giving out uh, hot plates and clothes and different things mm-hmm. like that. So big shout out to Trade the Truth. He's been putting in a lot of work. Yeah, and a lot of lot of lot of churches too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Reverend, I, mean, I think it was a big controversy the day after storm with uh, the uh, pastor uh, Osteen, Joe Osteen, Joel Osteen, and uh, they came along with uh, flood release and, and recovery work. Mm-hmm. And uh, for all those who opened their churches, uh, their temples to to serve the community, thank you, and uh, we encourage you to keep on with the with the work. Man. Because I remember there's a, uh, uh, Jesus said uh, to uh, the shepherds, woe to the shepherd who feed himself and don't feed the flock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if you feeding the flock, regardless of how many of the flock, you know, is, 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 is relative. If you're a small organization, maybe you can only uh, uh, feed 10. If you're a major, mega um church, maybe you can 
feed 10,000. But, you know, I remember the master went to the, the capital city, and he only had uh, two fish and five loaves of bread, and he fed the multitude. So right in that vein, we, we see what our work is about. You know, faith without work is dead. You know, uh, work without faith is dead also. Right. So we want to combine the two. We want to remain hopeful, remain prayerful, but we also want to do some work. We want to know what it is, what is our responsibility in this time of need. You know, what work should we be doing? And uh, one of the subjects we, we picked for this episode is gentrification because we want to talk about housing, which is a great need. Most, most of the floodwaters... I mean, uh, most of the ways that we was affected by the floodwaters contaminating our homes. Yeah, yep. So now we've been displaced. Uh, many people have been displaced. And uh, housing has become a greater need. We talk about man's low hierarchy of needs. Food, clothing, shelter, these are primary needs. So our life has been disruptive because we have to first satisfy those priori- primary needs before we can get into any higher level of a uh, uh, spiritual and intellectual interaction. Let's first take care of our basic needs. Yeah. Gentrification. Um, you want to yeah. bring up, bring up no, the definition? I mean, uh, we looked it up on Google. Here we go. And Google talk, defines gentrification as the process of renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to a middle-class taste. And uh, I was talking to Brother uh, Homer here about middle-class. We'll put that in quotation. Yeah. <laughs> because right here in Houston, Texas, and I know it's happening all over the nation, you have deteriorated housing. In the inner loop, we have a 610 loop here, the inner city. Every city have a loop. Mm-hmm. And you have so-called minorities that live in the middle, uh, inner loop, low income, black and Hispanic um, populations. So the middle class moved out to the suburbs. Now it, could, it, it, it caused traffic jams. You know, in the morning, it's, it's a it's a thirty minute commute, forty five minutes commute, even longer, just to get from the suburbs back into town to go to work, and that's just one way. Now, at the end of the day, you got to go back and do another thirty, forty five minutes to an hour to get back to the suburbs. So we're burning gas, we're burning up energy and fuel, and it's frustrating. So, a lot of the uh, so called middle class. Those uh, persons with means, they want to relocate to the inner city. And what's been happening is that the inner city has been uh, redeveloped, certain parts of of Houston, starting the uh, west side of Houston, the Heights area, which we are now recording in, you know, Midtown, you know, uh, and it's spreading. Uh, The infrastructure, uh, the streets were redone, I think, under Mayor Brown who's a black mayor, he began to bring in uh, uh, infrastructure in the downtown district. It used to be downtown was just office building. It wasn't like the, the, 
uh, the northern cities. Houston was a southern city, you know, where you just had business downtown. You didn't have residential apartments. But now, under gentrification, residential apartment buildings were erected. And the utilities that that uh, supply those that uh, those uh, buildings with with uh, utilities, the improvements, the streets, and the utilities were done under the Mayor Brown administration, and and all of the consecutive administration they brought in Metro Light Rail. Houston didn't have a rail; it was a commuter city, and everybody drove a car, you know. But now they brought in light rail. And uh, this whole idea is, you know, not to be so reliant on cars and to be able to live in the city and work in the city without a car. Right. So gentrification. But these uh, new townhouses and, and, and condominiums, their rent is, is sky high, you know, maybe $1,000, $1,500, maybe $2,000 a month to rent these uh, apartments where rent may have been maybe $800 a month for the low income. Right. And you told me that, uh, which blew my mind, the movie Jason Lyric, where yes. it was shot, yes. if you go there now, it's all new condos and stuff. It looks nuts. So if people have seen that movie. Houston does not look like that anymore. It looks like yeah. it's all these, like, apartment buildings with stores on the bottom like it's all new very high rent and the little houses that are left because I drive through there a lot you'll see different families and stuff that look like they were there since it was cheap to live there that's right but now that is no longer the case we, we're gonna do a little history here okay Houston originally was not the major city in this part of the, uh, Texas it was Gaveston Gaveston in the early 1900, Galveston was the large city, but a, a major hurricane decimated Galveston, mm. and so they moved the city back to Houston. But the first people, other than the Indians, to settle Houston were the freed blacks. We had Freemantown, which was a settlement established by blacks. We built our own roads, brick. Uh, we had brick roads over in Fourth Ward. Fourth Ward was originally um, Freeman's Town. I hear so much about that. And it was a it was a black settlement. The oldest building downtown is actually a church, Antioch Baptist Church, built by free slaves, and it still stands today, right next to the old Enron Tower. The you know the Enron went out of business. Mm. They built this huge ultra modern uh, building. Right next to it is Antioch Baptist Church. I bet people don't even know that. That's right. Mm -hmm. I know I did. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a historical landmark now. They can't tear it down. But uh, the fourth ward now uh, is a part of Midtown. They call it Edo, I think, right? Fourth ward? Yeah, I mean, they changed the name. Yeah. And uh, part of third ward, which was traditionally black, is now the museum district. I tell me that you can't even live over there now since the right. rent's so high. If you if you low income, <laughs> right? Uh, between downtown Houston and Houston, got major uh, district like uh, business districts. Yeah, 
you got the major downtown district, but we have the largest medical center in the world. And the medical center looks like a downtown. Yes. And between those two major districts is the museum district. And they, they built housing uh, so that maybe the doctors won't have to commute that far. You know, those executives that work downtown won't have to commute that far. You know what's amazing to me is that I've never seen a zoo in the middle of downtown. <laughs> I could not believe it, you know, that I, like I said, I'm here new, but I'd be traveling around. Yeah. And when I seen it, it said zoo in the middle of a city? Mm. And and everybody said, yeah. <laughs> they have the zoo, the museums in the heart of the city. Mm -hmm. That amazes me, you know, and, and as you were saying, the, the intercity seems to be growing not for the low-income people. That's right. It seems to be going for these people that are doctors, right. lawyers, uh, well, middle class. Because right. there's not, to me, there's only two classes. Right. Rich and poor. Right. <laughs> the, the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what we want to do is not remain in that latter category as have-nots. Yeah. You know, we're going to get to some solutions. What we're talking about now is the problem. And uh, we we discuss the problem a lot. And then when we start talking about solutions, it's usually say, let's just vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is voting the solution the only solution? It may be part of the solution to get the right uh, political uh, representative in office that's going to vote in our favor in terms of laws and legislation. You know, that's important. But what are we going to do? What do you we, mean when you say, what are we going to do? As citizens, as uh, aside from casting your vote, and what I'm driving at is economics, mm -hmm. economic development. And, and, and uh, what I mean by that, politics, and, and uh, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan uh, taught on this. He said, politics without economics is symbol without substance. Huh. You see, because... The politics here is tied to, to economics. You got interest groups. You know, we we voting for parties. You know, the party interests. You know, I'm a I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. But you have interest groups like corporate interests. Right. And I'm gonna give you an example: the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. You have stakeholders in the healthcare industry. Those corporations that that uh, have a vested interest in this legislation. It funds it, yeah. Okay, now, if you are insurance lobbyist, you own an insurance company, you want uh, so-called Obamacare, affordable care, to pass because you're going to have more customers. If if every American citizen have to have insurance, then that means you're going to double, quadruple your business. If you in the hospital business, and now... If more people have insurance, now you have more patients. Exactly. If you're in the pharmaceutical business, you provide drugs. And now if there's more people with coverage that can, that, that's going to get uh, prescription drugs, now your business is going to quadruple, double. You know, it's going to grow. So you have these stakeholders. And, and, and I don't like the way they do politics here. They, they just called it all Obamacare. And it was really the Affordable Care Act. Exactly. It was a piece of legislation. 
and Obama don't own the insurance companies. Sure make it sound <laughs> like he does, don't it? Well, all that was was a website in which you go choose an insurance company, insurance carrier, company, whatever, to get coverage. So our lack of understanding of the political process, how it's tied to economic interests. We don't own the insurance company. Right. You know, it once was a time when uh, automobile insurance was a, was a choice. Somebody lobbied to get that passed a law that... Uh, that liability insurance is is required is is a law now, yeah. and if you don't have it, then you're going to get ticketed or or whatever, get your driving privileges re yep. removed. But uh, someone benefited from that. Yes, they did. Who owned it? The automobile insurance companies. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so now that's what I mean by that. That's what I mean by that. Uh, the foreigners. We complain, and, and you know, we're talking about the problem again. Mm -hmm. We complain about foreigners coming into to the ghettos, to our communities where we live, and they opening up businesses. Yeah. They, they own the beauty supply companies. Yep. They own the nail salons. They own the we buy, you buy, we fry. <laughs> <laughs> they own the restaurants. You know, they own the stores. All of the, the, the foreigners come in, America is a great... Uh, um, Opportunity. Yeah, it's a great mecca, business <laughs> mecca, however, for them to come and get rich. Yeah. And now we remain unemployed. Why are we unemployed? Why are we not in business? We have been displaced. And no one's hired. We're the, we the last hired and the first fired. Yeah. But we don't own the company. We're not involved in economic development. You see, we're waiting on a government check. You know, have my check made. <laughs> you know, we you know uh, we waiting on the check. Uh, either an employer. You know, y'all hiring. I just want to know are you hiring? But look at what God has done. God has brought in a storm, disrupted business, disrupted everything. But what you don't say that what have God done to me, what has he done for me? Yeah. He has created opportunity. You know, now is work to be done. Everybody can work that wants to work. That's right. They have a thing now, uh, I just noticed that uh, this past weekend, it says all you have to do is take a physical. They have you no know, skills needed. Right. No skills needed. All you have to do is be physically able to pick up trash, shovel up stuff, and right. put things in a basket. If there's anyone looking for a job, there are openings for all types of uh, labor work. Right. Uh, so uh, I congratulate you on opening that door to that because uh, what God has done, he has brought uh, uh, this area to its knees, but not only this area. There's going on and it's going on right. in Florida right now. It's going to be going on in Charleston. Right. It's like there is a movement. The right. earth is now mad. And, 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 you know, we all serve different gods, right. but the same God. Right. That is the almighty who covers all things. Right. Because we're all just one thing. And we're divided, but we're all one. Right. So, you know, I... I my brother, I encourage uh, people to not only think uh, 
what we what what is going on around you, but we matter. That's right. What That's you right. do matter. That's right. I'm not I'm not physically able to do a lot of things, but this weekend, this past week, I went and bagged up food and clothes and mm-hmm. uh, helped helped them stack bags, baskets and boxes, because there's people over there in, in Belmont that are in dire need. Right. Water still standing in their houses. Mm-hmm. They still need people to go in there with boats and 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 trucks right. to help them out. What you do matters. What we're talking about today is coming together and making a difference. Make what we do matter in our own neighborhoods. And what I wanted to talk about, this show is called the Business Building Blocks. And it's called the Business Building Blocks because we're a show for entrepreneurs. Amen. Now, we want to move from just being laborers, you know, to being business owners. And if if we talk about kingdom building, nation building, community building, mm-hmm. we always use the story of Moses and the children of Israel in Egypt. You know, we was, um, they say we were cursed black, right? The Hermetic curse that we would be hewers of wood, drawers of water, and servants of white people. So let, let's use that scripture. Now, we, we, were, we were in America in bondage. And we were served, and we were serving uh, as slaves in servitude slavery for 400 years. Now God is delivering us. Now what is he delivering us to? <laughs> what, what does it mean to be free and independent? That means now you can set up businesses for yourself. Yeah. And, and we, we talk about the so-called illegal immigrant or illegal alien our uh, Hispanic or Latino brothers and sisters that literally made a walk across the border, swam across the border, and they are over here working. And not only are they working, they work in the fields that we left. They work in the land. They're doing construction. They're going into business. They're setting up these uh, taco... um, Taco trucks. Trucks. All over. Tents. (laughs) You know, they're in the flea market business. I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm inspired by them. Yeah. Because their uh, their work ethic, you see, they didn't come over here and beg on the corner. They came over here and went to work. And now uh, there's people that want to build a wall and put them out. When after they doing all the work, it's like us. After we built the country, now you want to put us in prison. Yeah. Uh, shoot us down in the street. Yeah. We have to make ourselves useful. You know, do we matter? Do we matter to ourselves? First of all, you know, uh, I, I'd like to talk about the master at the uh, Last Supper to his disciples. He said, love ye one another, even as I have loved you. Our problem is not loving our enemy. We do a good job of that. <laughs> you seen that in Charleston with the church. A Dalen Roof went in there and, and, and killed the, the, the pastor and the parishioners. And the day after we forgave him. He didn't even ask for forgiveness, and we was forgiving him. So we don't have any problem with our enemy. We have a problem with loving one another. We have a problem with working with one another. We have a problem with hiring one another, spending money with one another. And now it's an ocean of need, you know, of work. And we talk about a business, you know, in order for that business to be successful, it must satisfy a need. It must meet the needs of the people. Yeah. 
The people need housing. The people need construction repair work. It don't take a lot of skill to drag out the old uh, um, contaminated or water-soaked carpet and pad and sheetrock uh, furnitures or whatever. And now go back up with uh, sheetrock. You don't need a license for this. Insulation, sheetrock, painting, flooring, all of those are not, they, they, you, you, don't re, you don't need to be a licensed contractor in Texas. You only need a license for mechanicals. And when I say mechanicals, that's electrical, plumbing, HVAC, heating and cooling. Mm-hmm. Um, those type of things you need a license for. Of course, you need license for real estate. Uh, and, and all of this is going to be in, affected. The realtors are going to be involved. Building inspection, appraisals, you see, um, the multifamily apartment buildings, uh, apartment complexes, they were affected. So now, the whole range from commercial to residential to industrial, you know, there was a chemical plant that caught fire in in, uh, Crosby. That's true. Because, and it was directly related to the storm. And they didn't have cooling agents to keep these chemicals cool, so they they burned that had a meltdown. So now, there's opportunity out there. There's needs to be met. Now we asking us, who our hands was tied like the master, right? Mm-hmm. Our feet were bound. Our hands was tied. You know, we were in prison, or either we on we free, but we fell in prison, but because. We can't find a job. You see, unemployment is high in our community. But God has done, what has he done? He has created opportunity. Now, we would help you with the tools to go into business. Go back and look at some of our episodes, especially the beginning, uh, first uh, few episodes, one through five and one through 10. We talk about uh, setting up a business, you remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, marketing the business, uh, financing the business, all of those steps. And uh, um, personnel management, organizational chart. Uh, but you don't really need a lot of sophistication when we start talking about construction. Yeah. But, you know, let's, let's go on. I think it's a good time to go into the sponsors, right? Sure. Yeah. Can you do that while I... Okay. Sure, let's talk about sponsors. We we have uh, Nations Products, which is a child literacy advocate, and they produce literature for children. And one of the, the t- titles that we like to talk about is the word search book. Uh, this word search book uh, is Famous Blacks in America, and it covers historical figures is a puzzle, it's a brain teaser for our children. And as they solve the problem, they, they're a puzzle. They learn about each figure. Um, and that builds their self-esteem. Because if they see their ancestors making these accomplishments, then they know now, I can do great things. And that builds their self-esteem. Because a lot of times, uh, we are defeated in, uh, in literature and in our in an education process because we see others the, the history is told about Europe 
or even the founding fathers. And where, where were we? Well, we were enslaved. So if you only define yourself as a slave, it's going to be uh, lower your self-esteem, your self-image. So we need to show our children great accomplishments. You know, what did we do before slavery? What type of civilizations did we build? You know, and those type of things uh, will uh, build a self-esteem. So we we may not get this in public schools. So go to Nation Products on Facebook. Like the Facebook page. It's a mail order business. You can receive these titles. And we got other titles. We just uh, released a book on um, science, chemistry for children. And it, it introduced the periodic table in chemistry. It's based on a chemi- uh, periodic table that shows the elements. And for instance, you will see an element, helium. And the graphic here will be the sun. The sun is made from helium. Is that right? Yeah. No, 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 I'm sorry. No. Hydrogen. Yeah, yeah. Hydrogen. The balloons have helium. The balloons that float up, they are uh, formed from uh, helium. And uh, water, you, we know what water is, H2O. Uh-huh. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. So we have a graphic along with the element, and our children can understand chemistry. I, I wasn't introduced to chemistry till I was in 11th grade. And you're talking about a, a elementary age child being introduced to science. And we talk about math and science. A lot of times we're told that, you know, we're deficient in those subjects. I don't agree. I think we need to be properly taught, properly introduced to those subjects. And we will excel in those subjects. And we need to to take more responsibility for the education of of our children. And that's nation products. Uh, We would like to talk about media. So one of our public service announcements is the Final Call newspaper. And uh, the Final Call, we're we living in a time with fake news, um, alternative facts. And how could it be an alternative fact? It is either a fact or it's not. There's no such thing as an alternative fact. You know, but this is the type of climate that we are in where the facts are distorted. You know, uh, propaganda is news outlets a propaganda tool for a major corporate interest. No, we, and, and, and a lot of times blacks are vilified in the media. Yeah. You know, there was a young man gunned down by the police and uh, he had his hands up. So then the media start going over the, the young man's rap sheet, you know. Did he have any marijuana in his system? What was what, his criminal record? Well, he's the victim. You know, he, you, you already tried him in the media, and he's the victim. Yeah. He, he, he was unarmed. You need to be looking at that cop, that rogue cop, and see, was he under the influence? What is his track record on the force? Have he had uh, some of these unjustified shootings? Have he used police brutality in the past? Is he a member of a racist organization? You know, so we need media that's going uh, to defend us and uh, that's going to tell our story. That's finalcall.com. Again, that's finalcall.com. Another fund I'd like to speak about, a public service announcement, is the economic blueprint. The economic blueprint was a fund established by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam for economic development. 
and we we are starting with a goal of 200 million acres. You know, we never got to 40 acres in a mule. You know, that was a false promise, a broken promise. Like the Indians say, speak with a forked tongue. So we never got to 40 acres in the mule, and, and that's required for economic development. So we are, we're only asking for a nickel a day, five cents a day. That's 35 cents a week. But collectively, if we all pooled our dimes, nickels, quarters, and pennies, we would come up with hundreds of millions of dollars and we'll easily be able to purchase farmland. And the farmland will be able to, again, meet our primary need, food, clothing, and shelter. Now, we know we can grow crops from the farmland. Uh, the livestock, the cattle, the sheep, the goat or whatever, they need land, the livestock. Uh, and then we can get milk and we talk about the land of milk and honey. Milk come from cows. Honey come from bees. Bees take the nectar of flowers that come from the earth. You know, on earth as it is in heaven. So we're talking about a promised land that we can help acquire. And that's the economicblueprint.org. Um, another sponsor? Oh, oh, yeah. Why is there music? Yeah, the... You're also sponsored by Wise Air Music. Go check out the album, Photon Fever, all produced by me, all written by me. It's a beautiful album, so y'all go support that. You can also support my music videos on YouTube at Wise Air the Great. And just follow the, the movement. We, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm getting into a lot of different spaces. So all things Wise Air is supporting this podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Now, uh, go back to the subject. Yeah, let's get back into it. You talked about the problems. Uh, I think we want to get back into the solutions, and we want to get more into our guests here. I want to, I, I want to get the story of. Uh, what's, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Homer. Yeah, Mr. Homer. Yeah. So, Mr. Homer, you told us that you're from California. What city are you from? I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I was living when I moved here. I was living in Chino, California. My, uh, my dad back in '75 moved to Ontario. And Ontario is a, uh, it's San Bernardino County. <laughs> and I always thought San Bernardino County was a horse town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought it was just dust and, dust and, 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 and farms. Um, but uh, my dad, uh, he moved there in a little house and turned it out to be a, if now if you went by it, it would look like a park. Uh, built his house there. Uh, he was a cement finisher. So he um, did a lot of building and stuff like that. Okay, and is that is it? Was it from him that you got your entrepreneur spirit, or where did you get that from? I, I got that from I. I pretty much did get that from my dad. My dad uh, was a hardworking man. I'm telling you, uh, at uh, at eighteen at eighteen years old when I graduated from high school, uh, I didn't have a clue of what I was going to do, uh, because uh, as my brother was saying, uh, in my era. Uh, it was running track. It was playing football. Uh, that was how we were going to get out of the out of the uh, economical position that we were in. Right. And uh, my mother and dad had already split up when I was at a young age. And uh, my mother would not sign the uh, contract for me to have insurance to play football. Mm. And uh, that stopped my career of playing uh, football. 
So um, uh, I went into, <laughs> you guys believe this, then I went to a car wash and started washing cars. All right. And uh, my dad came there one day and he pulled up on me and I was shining his shoes. And uh, back then you had processed hair. We had processed hair. We had our hair all processed. And Jackie Wilson was my was my uh, mentor. I loved mm. his hair. He liked it. <laughs> so, so my hair was nice and long and silky. And, and my dad asked me, he says, what are you doing, boy? And I said, oh, Pops, I'm just doing it. And my dad says, look, he says, I don't care what you do and what you become. He said, but whatever you do, don't be a follower. Be a leader. Mm. And that stuck with me. Right. It stuck with me. I said, well, okay. And from that point on, it was not me going with them. If you were going anywhere, you were going with me. Mm. And when the party began, it wasn't going to begin until I got there. And it wasn't going <laughs> to shut down until I left. Right, right. And that's how I became uh, into, I could do my own thing. Mm -hmm. Back then in California, there was there was shifts. You part, there's a shift that worked at night. There was a shift that worked in the day. And there was a shift that worked in the morning. And I made sure that I was able to party through all of those. And begin to, as I said before, I was an entrepreneur. I I had dividend in this and I dividend in that. <laughs> and if you wanted this, I could get it for you. And that's how I just become uh, my own person, uh, beginning to know that I was competent to be able to step into any area and be successful. Wow. And, that, and, and, and now I think you have an interest in senior housing, right? Well, because of because of the background that I did with the, the senior citizens uh, uh, in the convalescent home, there's a great need for, uh, and, I'm always, and I'm, I've had this in my mind for a long time. I've noticed how black elderly people are misplaced. Yes. I've noticed homeless people, mentally ill, walking the streets. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many young people lose their minds behind doing drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no opportunity that, well, they, they, there's, they, they put them in, they put them in prison. Yeah. And if they don't put them in prison, they put them in jail. Mm -hmm. They, they shackle them down. Mm -hmm. So what I have, what, what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to start a residential uh, uh, home for the elderly mm -hmm. uh, in the economical places where they would be able to afford it. Right. As you said, the intercity is not going to be a place for them unless in, and listen, we come together as a nation and a people and put our money together and build these things and open them up to them. And this is my, this is my dream to be able to, to, to combine or to come together with some people and, and to start, to, uh, start addressing those problems. And, and you know, that's when we, we first started our discussion. You know, a few years ago, I had a partner and we worked, uh, City of Houston had a, a, a program that address housing for elderly. Mm -hmm. Because in the inner city, their homes are usually owned by 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 the elderly. They the one paid that mortgage for 30, 40 years. They own a home, which usually was the generation of my grandparents. Right. They own their home. But many of them were ailing or, or passing away, and their children did not take on the responsibility of home ownership. They moved out again, chasing the Joneses out in the suburbs yeah. and then didn't see the value of the property left in the, in the city. And the property fell in the deterioration and disrepair. 
And that's really what you see in the ghetto. That's what you're seeing now. You see property that's in disrepair. Yeah. You see vehicles inoperable, in disrepair. You see home, uh, lawns or uh, lots that's, that's not cut, that's not maintained. Yeah. And so the, the, the land depreciates. It, it loses its value. The neighborhood loses its so-called value. Mm -hmm. And then others come in and buy up that property. But what, what the city had was an emergency home repair program that brought these uh, homes that the elderly were residing in up to code because uh, many times their houses was uh, built before, you know, modern wiring, uh, modern codes was uh, in place, building codes. And so the wiring was faulty. They may have, even have aluminum wiring. We've seen homes with aluminum wiring. Or it just may have been deteriorated over the years. Mm -hmm. Many of them did not have central air or central heat. And in this part of the country, you need central air. Um, they had window units. Or uh, they had these space heaters, yeah. which are dangerous in the wintertime. Um, and a lot of the elderly were dying from heat exhaustion in the summer. We have... Temperatures over 100 degrees here, so now we bring we bring in these uh, homes uh, if they need the foundation level, if they needed rewiring the plumbing, uh, if they had a plumbing issue we would do the plumbing, uh, central air, central heat, roofing, uh, whatever the case was, windows and doors, bring in uh, new windows and doors that was more energy efficient and in insulation. And according to the, the regular things, uh, sheetrock and and uh, flooring and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the city of Houston had that program, and it was funded federally by HUD. And the city had agencies in which they would disperse. Different agencies ran uh, the program, uh, senior citizen program, shelter norms, uh, even the Houston area Urban League was an agency. Different ages. Houston Community College had a had a grant. They were doing the same thing with their students uh, because, again, a lot of the trades were taken out of the schools. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a larger conspiracy. This gentrification. Uh, there were other political forces or interest groups that took out the trades from public schools. So now we we built a country. At one time, we were all of the trades, but now we do none of the trades. They even took a lot of the trade training out of the prisons. Yeah. And now we don't, you know, we don't, uh, the young men are being raised by their mothers, and they don't even know how to change a flat. That's true. Uh, uh, change a doorknob, uh, because I work with some, you know. You mentioned prisons. You you planning on going into prisons, uh... And what is your main goal going in there, and, and what are you going to be teaching them? My ma, that's a, that's a good question. Someone asked me the other day, was I going to go in there and be ministering? Uh, no, I'm not. In a sense, I'm going in there with a spiritual attitude. But what I'm going in there for is to, 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 to cultivate the minds of men and to let them know that their dreams are not dead. Most men that are in prisons, they belong to gangs. Uh, like my brother said, the educational thing is no longer uh, uh, it's no longer taught there. Uh, 
my thing is to go in there and to encourage them. I'm an encourager. Mm-hmm. That's what I am. I'm an encourager. Uh, I will go in there with 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 the, my 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 song is going to be uh, the ghetto living in the ghetto, mm-hmm. and because I came from the ghetto and I no longer live in the ghetto, my thing is and even that 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 uh, my uh, ID card was a prison ID card. It no longer is an ID card, prison card. I have a definite ID card now that says Homer Daniels. Mm. Does not say inmate. No spin number. No spin number. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's uh, my whole thing is to be an, uh, an encourager, to encourage the young men to know that their dreams are not dead and they don't have to settle for being a number or a convict. And, and we don't have to wait for others to discover us. You know, the same hands that were used to tear down the community or to uh, uh, neglect our community. And we talked about things that we can do to rebuild the community. You know, these same young men, we need our young men to come in and rebuild the community. We are building blocks. I would like to see that. I would really like to see that. Well, we did it for Egypt. You see, they was making they were making bricks without straw, right? And uh, t- uh, Booker T. Washington was inspired by the story of the children of Israel mm-hmm. uh, making brick. So he began Tuskegee uh, Institute, later became Tuskegee University in Alabama, Tuskegee, Alabama, with making bricks. And also the blacks got involved in the brick masonry trade. And we really transformed life in that area, in that uh, in Alabama, because even the whites did couldn't afford brick homes. So we began to uh, make ourselves relevant and useful by building. And now we help build America. We can help build our communities, but we have to accept that responsibility now. I believe that's true. Others are not. Looking out for our interests. They, they they got a job for you in prison after you have been duly convicted of a crime. Now you got to work the fields. Or you might work for corporate America, incarcerated, they pay you a dollar a day. We can begin to employ ourselves if we go into business. We Again, we want to be free. We want to be independent. It starts with independent thinking. It's true. Independent planning. Yep. See, we have to plan our own, we have to have faith and inspiration, but we have to have goals, not just dreams. Goals. We, we have to translate from dreams to setting goals and objectives. Then there's a planning that goes along with that. And also, even if we need money, we need to, that needs to be part of the plan. Yeah. How I'm gonna raise the resources in order to finance my goal. What is my step-by-step plan? It may be savings. We may be able to work double, triple overtime, save our money. It also may be raising money through donations or grants and also loans. We're going to do what everybody else do using business principles, Mm -hmm. but we have to accept that responsibility. We need to look at ways in which we can start solving our own problems and not waiting on government. I agree with you on that, my brother. And even if 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 govern, it, it is government responsibility, we have to apply that political pressure. But we got to apply that political pressure and 
fences, the stimulus package. They gave, they bailed out the banks, you know, in the, the housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government bailed out the banks. They was too large to fail. But it was the citizens that lost their homes. Yeah. You know, so we have to apply the pressures that we would get the, our business interests would get the government contracts. You know, how many contracts do we get? We paying taxes. So that's, that's, that's what we have to do. We have to uh, do it on all fronts, education, um, economics, and p- politics. So we're coming towards the end of our episode, the Business Building Blocks podcast. We want to thank our guest again, Mr. Homer Daniels. Uh, being that you're an entrepreneur, on this show, we like to give our guests practical things to do to uh, make them successful. Do you have one, we call it blocks, do you have one building block that entrepreneurs can live by that will make them successful? <laughs> yeah, uh, never give up. That's great, right there. Right. Any last words that you want the people to know? How can they contact you and things like that? Um, my, uh, I can give, give you my personal number. Absolutely. I'm at uh, 909-272-9475. And my email is hdfaithfulness at gmail.com. And I'm available at all times. And I am definitely uh, would be uh, helpful for you in doing anything that you would like to achieve eagerly. <laughs> and, and thank you for coming on Business Building Blocks. You have added value to our show, and, and we're going to take your uh, wise words of counsel. And uh, and also, you can also find Business Building Blocks on social media. We on SoundCloud. We on SoundCloud.com. You can find the uh, iTunes uh, on Apple. You find the uh, the app. The, uh, the podcast app. Uh, you also can find us on YouTube and Facebook. And Instagram. And Instagram. And, and Twitter. Twitter. So y'all follow us. Y'all thank y'all for listening. This is the Business Building Box Podcast. You have the blocks and I get to building. Thank See y'all for listening. You. See you next week. Man.